Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. Is revolting. It's Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 66, The Clown Car. Content warning this is a podcast for grown ups with a sense of humor of 12 year olds. If you don't like bad words and immature nonsense, turn back now. Even if we temporarily discuss things, we. Oh, that are. are oh, sorry. Okay. Even if we <laughs> temporarily discuss things that are serious and we don't swear much. There's stupidity and profanity coming. It's inevitable. We warned you. Don't complain later. Or do. Whatever. Or do. I don't yeah. care. You're your own boss. I'm yeah, I'm here for the complaints. Me too. Uh, hi, Robot. <laughs> How you feeling today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm torqued to a very high number of Newton meters today. I laugh when I ask that because we just spent a half an hour talking to each other before we hit the record button about how mad we are about everything. <laughs> yes, today will not be the typical episode where I'm <laughs> cheerful, happy-go-lucky, <laughs> trying to revoke Stevel into rants and other complaints. No. Uh, I think he, I think we may be, he may be suplexing me here. I think maybe he's the chipper one. Uh, I woke up early and I was watching a documentary about Rick James. And, um, and, and that put me in a super good mood, man, that guy, he was super intense. <laughs> I mean, he loved cocaine, that guy. Oh, he loved cocaine so much. They interview all the people in his band and they interview his daughter. And I didn't know that he was from Buffalo originally. For some reason I thought he was a Bay area cat. All the uh, funkiest people are from Buffalo. And they interview, they talk about like his, uh, like kind of burning the bridge with Motown records and his like fight to get black artists on MTV and they, and that the then CEO or president was like essentially saying like, we, we're not a music television station we don't give everybody everything to everybody or something like that basically saying like you know we'll play dire straits or the police or the rolling stones or you know name any number of white bands from that era uh but definitely had you know they were not they were saying we are not playing uh featuring black artists without saying we're not featuring black artists and so he was you know, really heated, understandably, mm. and went after him and uh, basically kind of opened the door for um, for them to ultimately play Michael Jackson. And then that was, you know, th that that was kind of the beginning of the beginning of all of that stuff. And then it talked about his tour with Prince, which was super fascinating and how like how like how intense that relationship was, because there was tons of mutual respect, but they were also kind of like, you know. Prince was like 
the hot new shit who was doing kind of Rick James stuff, but 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 bigger and maybe <clears throat> arguably a little better. Anyway, so I'm in a great mood because I learned all about Rick James this morning. I like I enjoy that you cracked an eyelid and we're like, you know what I'm going to get to first. And. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's either that, I, I mean, sometimes I have to do this meditation affirmation thing um, two times a day. It's 20 minutes, two times a day. And, um, and I, I use, usually like to do that first thing in the morning because I, my brain is a little sluggish and it, and it allows, you know, I'm not flooded with stuff. Um, but this morning, yeah, I just went right to Rick James. You super flooded with super freak. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so let's take it easy on each other today. You know, we're, uh, we're both a little fragile. Um, yeah, maybe you more so than me, but you know, the world's a scary place and, uh, uh, I got you, babe. Yeah. Oh gosh. What are we, uh, what are we am, doing? Am I sunny or share in this, uh, scenario? How tall are you? I am five foot nine. Yeah. You're sunny. God, <laughs> God I wanted to be share. All right. I'm taller. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, and also I'm share in this cosplay. Let's say. Uh, Let's get cracking. Yeah, I'm mildly aroused. Let's get going. Um, we're gonna music do music picks? picks, or we're gonna do a music. Uh, we're gonna do a word from our whatever. Uh, no, let's do music picks first. Okay. Um, you are wearing a Red Fang shirt today, which gives me an indication that that might somehow relate to your week's pick. Um, I wear the same T-shirts over and over again, so this is actually only coincidental that I'm wearing a Red Fang T-shirt and also am picking the first Red Fang record for my music pick. Okay. Because I was... I think about music picks too much now. I've swerved into, like, almost obsessing about it and, like, constantly listening to records thinking, is this good enough? Is this good <laughs> enough? And I think I was actually in bed the other night uh, just about to drift off to sleep, and I was like, <gasps> I don't think we've picked the Red Fang record. No. Uh, no, so I, don't, it, I don't think we have. It feels a little bit like the the um, T-ball bass hit of music picks, but uh, the first Red Fang record is indisputably awesome. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, a group of Portland knuckleheads. Mm-hmm. And what I think I liked about Red Fang from the jump was that uh, I there was no like you and I have talked before about there's certain uh, metal bands that you have to just accept Dungeons and Dragons into your heart in order to love them. Mm -hmm. Early Rainbow right? or Dio, for example. Yeah. All sorts of wizards and whatever. Uh, yeah. Very sincerely s sung about mm -hmm. uh whereas red fang was like oh what we do is ridiculous <laughs> check it out <laughs> and i was like yes yeah how is it that you guys maybe not first but how are you like nailing the marketing angle on stupid metal so perfectly 
Because they grew up on all that other stuff that really took itself seriously, I would guess. Uh, When the prehistoric dog video came out, everybody in the universe has seen the prehistoric dog video by now, uh, where they're sitting in a car drinking beer uh, and kind of heckling a bunch of LARPers, which is, you know, live action (laughs) role playing, where they're playing, pretending to be wizards and stuff. Yeah. Uh, So somebody sent me that video like the day it it was originally released and i had it on the site out out of the gate and um uh so much traffic came from my site at that time that uh aaron from red fang sent me an email and asked (laughs) me if i if we knew each other uh-huh. And I said, no. Oh, no, it was after their first tour, and they had gone to Boise, and he said that, like, half of the audience was referenced All Hail the Black Market, and, none, and they had never heard of the site or anything. So he got a mm. hold of me, and he's like, do we know each other? Because you have, like, you basically promoted us through for this <laughs> entire tour. And I said, no, I'd, we don't know each other, but uh, I just like, you know, I like your band. And, uh, and that, and that, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. Now they're, you know, worldwide. I just like your band is one of the best. No, I just like your band <laughs> is one of the best. <laughs> I think I probably saw the video first on your site. I think I probably saw the video first on your site. And, and, um, so the video is hilarious. And if you haven't seen, if you're one of the few humans that hasn't seen it, oh my God, all their Run, videos, don't walk, all, all their, their videos, videos are great. They're super funny. Yeah. But also that song, Prehistoric Dog, rips so hard. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's uh and it's just it's just Red Fang. Or is it what's the it's name? It's just of? Red Fang. Yeah, that's that's yep. just self titled. Yeah. Uh similarly kinda. And you know, we don't talk about music picks before we meet. We just we just yep. have it and we go with it. Uh, mine is The Sciences by Sleep. Oh. Um, and it's so heavy and it's so sludgy, yet it has, it has hooks and the lyrics are weirdly hilarious. And, I mean, you wouldn't like... <clears throat> it's like... I say hook, but it's it, it conjures. This is the analogy that I'm thinking of. If you heard a cement truck fall off a cliff, and then you were like, "Oh, that's catchy." I mean, it was. <laughs> it, that's what it is. You, you know, it's like, "Oh man, that's like that was like a like that that had a hook." It's just utter controlled chaos. Um, but it's you know, it's it's jammable. It's we- me- it's meditative and and that also that also i mean right? whatever the 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 tone is, you know i don't know the tonage the the frequencies it's it's so soothing to my ear like that low end ugh. It, it's all that drop d guitar tuning um and a lot of minor key yeah riffs yeah there's something, it's not, if somebody who is far more well-versed at music theory and, and playing uh, could back me up on this or tell me that I'm full of shit, I see uh, in terms of like 
the 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 content, the musical content, and and what happens with with mixes and tonage and it audio the the sort of the rich uh, richness of the audio. I hear similarities uh, between sleep and some stuff that that the Deftones do. Oh, and it could just be that it you know it's that sound that frequency fits just squarely inside of my ears. Yeah, but, but I can just I can I, like I feel it in my like where my neck inserts into my back. It just oh, oh. god, it's it's like a a delicious well, meal, like a massage. Like there's they're just massaging you. Uh, yes. I like to when I listen to sleep, I like to think about what like the conversations they had in the studio, like um, like maybe Matt Pike turns to uh, Al and says, do you think 17 minutes is too long? (laughs) 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 I mean, up to about 14 minutes. I don't know. I just feel like and then Al's like, it's all good. Yeah. Derivative? Would that be part of the conversation? I feel like it's derivative. Is that? I mean, do you think that they? Do you think that is that is ever uttered? I don't think it is. No. Uh, okay, um, so Redford, the first Red Fang album, and Sleep, uh, uh, the Sciences by the Sleep, which came out. If I'm not totally out of my mind, I think it came out in 2018. Uh, it's the one with an astronaut on the cover. It's, you know, it's gatefold. It's got a big picture of a delicious breakfast inside. I love it. Ah. Uh. I love the full package review, not just the the music, <laughs> but also the packaging and media. Yeah. I love breakfast. I love sleep. <laughs> I love drop D tuning. What's not to what's not to adore about about that record? Yeah, I can't think of anything. All right. So. Very good. Let let us take a quick break. Say some nonsense and then come back and say more nonsense. I think the nonsense that's going to be said is, uh, hey, help us help you help us help you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let, uh, let's cut to it. Two and two, Chuck Woolery. Hi, it's Robot. By this point in the podcast, you're all in. You're going the distance. Not all your life choices are the best, but that's okay. None of us is perfect. Here's where I lay it on the line. We're going to entertain you for an hour. We'll do it again next week. In a month, we're going to give you four hours of belly laughs and deep, deep thoughts. All we need from you is a $3 a month subscription to the Cycling Independent. Three bucks, a cup of coffee, a really cheap beer. You've, you've got that money, and we, and we need it. If you've got more, there are $5 and $10 subscriptions, but we're not pushing. We're not pleading. That $3 would help plenty. And now, back to whatever inane nonsense we were talking about before. And we're back. And we are back. Today on The Revolting. Is that what this is called? The Revolting, yeah. Right, right. Revolting podcast. (laughs) This is the... uh, 66 episodes in 66 episodes in what what is the show called i don't remember what it's called this is the 66th episode of the revolting podcast and uh today's episode is about the bike industry uh of which we are both 
a part in some way or shape or form or another. Mm. It mm. draws in hordes of well-meaning ragamuffins, iconoclasts, and oddballs. Mm. Oh. There are smart people doing smart things, <laughs> and there are smart people doing dumb stuff, too. This whole thing is a lurching mess of brilliance and stupidity, frustration and transcendence. Why is it always like this? Uh, Nobody so, else will have us. I mean, so it- Steve and I are frustrated <clears throat> with our our station in life and it takes on many. Uh, uh, there are many facets to this frustration. The persistent one is. um you know, uh, not, not having paychecks and benefits that we can count on. You know, these are choices we make, but it doesn't, you know, we have made our choices, but it doesn't mean we don't want, uh, steady paychecks and benefits. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. But the other thing is that as we move around this, uh, space and work with varieties of people at other companies, um, you know, there the levels of professionalism vary wildly. Yes. Wildly. I, and so sometimes you're working on a project and you're like, I'm going to stick an ice pick in my eye if this person doesn't do the thing that they said they were going to do. Uh, but then you end up with a head full of ice picks. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, like, I feel like I've always had a, a really good work ethic and if some, but it's also like I got kind of wild OCD. So when something needs to be done, if I see that something needs to be done or I say that I'm going to do something, I do it immediately because inevitably there will be 20 other things down the road. And then I'm running around, you know, headless chicken style. Um, and I, I used to even have, I was a service manager at a shop in Berkeley for a while. And there was a guy that I worked, a uh, guy that I worked with, um, who I was a messenger with too, like a number of the mechanics at this place, we were all on the road around the same time. And this guy was constantly commenting on my, on my work ethic. And I don't think it's that special. I just think that I've, I'm, I was surrounded by fucking flakes. You know, so by comparison, <laughs> by comparison, I totally have my shit together, but you know, and like in the big picture, maybe not so much i don't know the, um, bike, the yeah. bike industry is a, is a is a curious place because it definitely like the, all of the marbles roll to this corner yeah i i am mystified i'm mystified because i also uh was given a work ethic by my parents um and i try to do good professional work and i try to learn and improve all the time um and there are a lot of just uh, lunatics in the industry, and many of them I really love, like mm-hmm. people that I really like and that I would love to ride bikes with or I do like to ride bikes with or I like their work or all this stuff. But then actually doing work with them is terrible. Mm. Uh, I Well, I, you know, I've never... That I've spent a majority of my adult life in working with bikes, you know, I think when I got out of college, uh, there was maybe a year after I graduated 
where I was working. That was when As I was a hedge working. fund manager. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I was working for the, I was managing the music merch department for this store. Oh yeah. And so I was, that was where I got, you know, I had all the music shirt, the band shirts and Slayer socks and Pantera sweatpants and <laughs> nonsense. Right. <clears throat> and then I, and then I started messengering and it was through messengering that I met industry people. And it was through industry people that I ended up, you know, like it just sort of, I just, I just sort of fell into it, I guess. And I don't know what else I would do. I don't know what else I would do. You know, it supplemented the lean as lean as it is working in the bicycle industry supplemented my art career and, and kind of vice versa. And now I'm like, you know, decades in, and I don't know. I don't. I don't know what else I would do. I mean, I'm. I am the same way. I ask. I have two kids going to college shortly, so I'm asking myself all the time. Geez, what else would I do? No, really, what else? Um, but I also think the industry. I like that idea that it's like a party, and you got invited in by some people that were cool, and so you showed up to the party, and you're like, "This is a great party. Can I stay at the party?" And they're like, "Yeah, you can stay at the party." And, but then you're like, but are we going to do some <laughs> stuff too? And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> that's a good, that's a good metaphor. I, I, I don't, I feel like sometimes I feel like I've been, I've overstayed my welcome at the party, oh, you know, but like maybe new people keep coming in and, and old people go out and then old people come back in and, and we're just, we're all, we're all. We're all here for better, for worse. I don't know. My dad asked me not very long ago. I was talking, I maybe have referenced this previously, but he was asking me because I was discussing the fact that I don't really have savings much in the way of savings to speak of. I have no retirement. I don't have hope that social security, every time I see how much money it gets taken out for social security and various paychecks, I'm thinking, well, why don't you just give me that now? Like I've been putting into this since I was 15 fucking years old. And I don't think I'm ever going to see any of that. That was, that's my, that's my safety net. And it is full of holes at best. Uh, um, that's a tragic laugh that I'm, that's a tragic laugh. And I don't, you know, like when I was with my ex, I at least had, you know, we had each other to, to, is sort of like to rely right, on up. just in case yep. if worse comes to worse, you know, we're, Two heads are better than one. And now I'm just like, I don't know, fuck. It's just day to day. I apparently, you know, I don't make plans. I guess that's my mm. thing. Oh, you know, steve Who's that? You know, the guy doesn't make plans. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> I know that guy. So I don't, I mean, what are regret? Regrets are, regret is useless. No because, regrets. But because I can't go back, I can't change anything. I could pitch everything. I could just, you know, I could shutter my site. Uh, just give it all up and be like, all right, um, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what else I can do that I'm any good at that brings me any degree of joy. But is joy, are, are they mutually exclusive? Working for a right. living and joy, are they mutually exclusive? I don't feel like they have to be. But can you, can you survive? I, I don't know. It's a mystery to me. I don't know. It seems like some years you can and some years you can't. And, you know, staying at the party requires accepting a certain amount of variability. Hmm. Yeah. 
Sometimes there's no punch in the punch bowl. So I remember I went to see the, the bike snob was in San Francisco when, well, after one of his books, I think it was the second book. And, and he was talking about, um, the, how the amount of money that the bike industry makes annually, it's, you know, whatever it's 30, yeah. say it's $30 billion a year. And it had been $30 billion a year. And I think $30 billion is probably pretty high, but I, I actually, I don't remember the figures. And he was comparing that to like one quarter of the automotive in what the automotive industry makes, yeah. which is like $200 billion say. Yeah. And no matter what happened, you know, the rise and fall of road cycling, uh, interest in road cycling and the rise of, you know, gravel air quote is fucking yeah. whatever drop bar bikes that you can ride in the dirt look like cross bikes, but they're rebranded into something else. Uh, and, and how, no matter what happens, except for maybe COVID, and this was obviously long before COVID happened and the, no bike manufacturer, like there were just no bikes, everything sold. Everybody was buying right. bikes. Everybody was getting into riding bikes. And so, uh, that didn't affect my bottom line at all. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know if the bike industry it's it's if it's capable of growing outside uh, where where of where it is and mm. in this country. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean Jesus. I start talking and I realize nothing I'm saying has any foundation or basis. It's like something I remember from ten years ago, barely. Uh, um. Well, I think I think you're right in that the industry wants to grow, but doesn't know how to sell what it does to anybody but the people who already do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it feels like the number of people getting into cycling is equal to the number of cyclists dying. Um, and so it doesn't grow. And there's a catch 22 here in that part of what draws us to cycling is it's, uh, it's iconoclasm. That's not the right word, but you know, it's like a little bit of a uh, middle finger type of thing to do. Ride a bike. We live in a car culture, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so on the one hand, we're like, we're cool because we're bike people. Uh, and then the flip side is if you turn everyone into bike people, well, it's not as cool. So we have to, I don't know. I think there's this, w w the steering wheel goes left, hard left and then hard right. Um, we're bouncing off the guardrails and I, do, I think a lot of the factors are against its growth you know like when i when e-bikes first started to really proliferate a few years ago somebody smart said to me we need to be against this as bike people because once humans don't have to pedal they won't and so if you want to preserve a world in which pedaling a bicycle it supplying all the energy uh, is popular, you have to sort of push back against e-bikes. And I don't think that's right necessarily, but I, I 
think they had a good point. Well, it's, uh, it, it's, there, there is some truth to that, certainly. But at the same time, that makes it more appealing to someone who maybe, uh, you know, maybe an older person who hasn't ridden a bike in a long time and an e-bike and you can actually like have pedal assist and it's going to make getting around town. Uh, it opened doors to a lot of folks. But then again, I see people driving their e-bikes to the trails and, and fuck them. I mean, I think you're the 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 case for e-bikes is strong. I'm not against e-bikes. Uh but I do think like if an e-bike is a replacement for a car, a person who would normally drive is now using a different motorized thing to get around. It's great because that thing is more efficient, it's smaller, it's safer, it's all those things. But it doesn't contribute necessarily to the culture that you and I are invested in. And that's fine. That's fine. But uh, if we're trying to grow uh, like a good, positive, healthy cycling culture uh, and thus grow the industry that way, it becomes even more difficult when you're bringing in a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, I have no interest in all of the things that have typically been associated with cycling. I'm doing this other thing. With the, you know, fine, good. You know, people do fencing and they do basket weaving and axe throwing and stuff. That's all good. But the idea that they are the same or that they float the same boats is not correct. Right. And also, like, I don't know, this doesn't necessarily relate specifically to what you were just talking about. But just as a, as a secondary observation is that <clears throat> riding a bike uh, as a utilitarian in a utilitarian fashion is a relative, relatively new concept in this country. You know, up mm. until not very long ago, if you rode a bike, you were a cyclist, right? Yeah. You were a bike person or you were uh, somebody with a DUI. <laughs> and, and now there are people who ride bikes just to get around, you know, which is, yeah. Far more, you know, just because you ride a bike in, say, Denmark, it doesn't mean you're a cyclist. It means that's just it's it's a different it's a completely different ball game over there. And so now we're kind of, you know, we're discussing uh, infrastructure. I was reading about some guy. Well, there was this there was some conflict of uh, some kook in Prospect Park, uh, like crashed into a pedestrian and then he was on his training ride or whatever. And then he split before. The cop showed up and then they're talking about, you know, they're they're trotting out the old uh, uh, bikes need registration and licensing again, which, you know, mm. that in 25 or 30 years, I've I've heard that discussed more times than I care to try to remember. And it doesn't, <clears throat> you know, I'm happy to pay insurance. I'm happy to pay licensing. I'm happy to pay registration. I'm happy to pay all of that stuff. If. I get more than a fucking Shero or a white stripe on the side of the road. You know, I'm relegated. I do everything that any other driver does, except I choose to get on my bike and right. I'm relegated to the gutter. You know, that's, yep. that's yep. where I have to ride. So fuck you and your licensing and all of this nonsense. It's not, you know, one rude, one road, one rule nonsense. Fuck that. But so, we're, we're in our infancy. I'm sorry. 
this is brand new territory. We're still trying to figure out, figure it out in this country. And we're trying to like, we're trying to make headway, but nobody, nobody knows the people who are making the rules aren't cyclists or they don't ride bikes. I don't know. It's just a big quagmire. So listeners, um, we're just, I just want to speak to you and not to Steve for a minute here. (laughs) I said at the beginning that, uh, maybe I was the, cranky one and he was going to be the cheerful one today and i just want to apologize uh, that wasn't foreshadowed. i didn't know we didn't plan this in advance <laughs> he's reverted to character so i'm going to go back <sighs> to my character i feel much better now i'm glad i'm glad well it's also um, like you go to a you go to a bicycle race in europe and it's not it's it's like you go to a football game here and everybody in the stands doesn't play football they just like yeah. the sport. You go to Europe, you go to a bike race, you go to a bike race in America and it's all just bike riders. It's just like cyclists, you know, <laughs> you, you go to a bike race in Europe and it's all manner of humanity because they just like bicycle racing there. You know, you don't have well, to. Well, that, that's because they don't have NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you go to a NASCAR well, race, there's 60,000 people, NASCAR people there. I would wager to bet. Just NASCAR and all over. Every single person that goes to NASCAR races loves driving <laughs> um have you ever been to a monster truck show i have not oh, i have heard that it's the loudest thing yeah ever they're fun i'd love to go to one of those like the monster jams that happen in the huge like in the stadium because yeah. that's when they really go off when you see them in coliseums it's just like back and forth and it's you know they do a jump and then they do a little donut and then you can't sit up close anymore because one time a fucking tire popped off and crashed, crushed your grandma, grandpa and his grandson. Mm. So thanks a lot for that. Um, but the real show happens after the show because you got all these rednecks <laughs> hopped up on diesel fumes or nitro, <laughs> nitro, nitrous fumes or whatever, and beer and nachos, and then they go out, and there's actually people, like, driving over other people's cars and stuff. It is, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's unreal. <laughs> so you, you know, you know, you, the, the, you buy the ticket, but you're only going to need this edge or whatever. You, you pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge. And then yeah. you go outside afterwards, and everybody loses their minds. The parking lot is where it's at. And probably everybody who goes to monster truck shows uh, it has some kind of investment in, you know, again, internal combustion. Mm. Bikes are just, bikes are weird, man. You love them or you hate them or you don't know anything about them and you hate them or you don't know anything about them and you love them. America just doesn't, we're just, we're just at the tail end of all of this stuff. I feel like I know everything about them and I hate them. <laughs> you come full circle that's right um another just to uh, swerve this thing back onto the road maybe uh a thing about the industry that baffles me is that i have met highly intelligent highly educated highly competent people in our industry as well and i just don't understand them to be honest with you like why they're like, why they're here yeah, we're all wandering around the the party, like throwing foam balloons at each other, uh, or trying to throw cheez its into each other's mouths from you know twenty yards away, and they're like very competently 
uh, filling in spreadsheets of aerodynamics data and making a case for tube shapes and are things you, like that. Are you talking about Andrew Kemp and Eric Richter <laughs> right now? Yes. I think, I think you probably are. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I've talked to Emily Cherick from Squid Bikes about this. Yes. Yes. Uh, and she, you know, she started Squid with a couple people and, and just like, how far do you want to, how far do you want to push this? How, how long do we beat this dead horse? You know, it's successful and we love it, but is it, is it, I don't, I don't know how this, I don't know how this exactly relates to that. Um, just an, another person who's super, super smart. Like I let every time she talks about when she did her graduate thesis or her, her some says something about her master's degree, I get all like t tingly and jealous because she's got a fucking brain on her right. and decided to start a bike company. Yeah, that's <laughs> so maybe the she's thing. not that smart. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I feel like you're so smart. Why do you want to swim in this pond? I know that's another analogy. I'm just like yeah, spraying I, analogies around, but I don't know. I don't know. Is the entire industry just attracts people who like riding bikes and then they figure out a way to, you know, I like I like riding bikes. I guess I'm going to start I'll get a job in a shop and then maybe I'll get a job as a sale inside sales or outside sales rep for some company and then I'll work my way up and in and then I'll be like OE manager or whatever. And then I'll be the vice president and I'll be the president of the company. Yeah. What experience do you have? I don't know. I just like bikes. That's sort of how I got here. Do you think the whole, I don't, first of all, I don't know anyone in the bike industry that has that vision. Right? I think the guy who is the, well, not that it didn't, you know, they didn't start out saying I'm going to be the president of some company. It just, Right. I know Habits. I know a couple people who like worked their way up through the ranks and just diversified. They did one job and they did another job and bingo bango, they're running a company. <laughs> it's just that easy. <laughs> um, but do are they qualified? Did they go to business school? Do they, you know, do they understand how to run a business aside from it seems like everybody everything everybody knows they learned on the fly. That that is def. I feel that is definitely true, and I feel as though you see some bike startups or some bike <clears> projects <throat> that are very clearly undertaken by MBAs or recent design grads, and you're like, oh, 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 oh you guys, you guys are in for a shock. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Well, that just kind of makes me think of like all the frame builders I know. I don't think. Maybe a couple of them went to like frame building school or they know something about CAD or something. They're just, they're, they're good drafts people and they're good welders and they have interesting, uh, they have an innate and, 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 uh, advanced ability to problem solve, you know, mm. but, and it's a lot of this kind of shit you can't go to school for. So maybe I that's think that's right. At. I, like I think that's right. Skateboard industry is the same way. It's just run by a bunch of clowns. You yeah. Know? There's probably a couple people who know what they're doing. But they learned Maybe it my... on the on the they learned it on the fly too. 
maybe my real resentment is that I'm trying to be the clown. <laughs> yeah, you want to be the one to goof off and let every, and like have all the other people who know what they're doing appreciate you for it. That's right. Yeah. Well, if you find if you find a, a spare person, uh, let me know. Send them my way. Yeah, I, I'm clown titled. That's What's what the did we what are uh we're both caught in a catch-22 in which it remains really hard to make a living doing bikes but it's also all either of us really want to do uh what do you think she's i nothing's going to change that dynamic because i'm happy <laughs> i'm poor but i'm happy and i would rather oh. be poor and happy than rich and sad oh i mean unless wow. i was just rich and i didn't have to sell my soul or trade you know my very existence for a paycheck which is, in my experience, exactly how you make money is you do stuff yeah. that you don't want to do. And I don't want to do. I like I like I like what I do. You know, I've said it before. If I had a million dollars, if I was independently wealthy, I would still be doing what I'm doing. I would just do more drugs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I buy that. I buy that. I, you know, I'm not poor because I'm married. Uh, but, you know, my wife and I we and my two boys, we live in the smallest uh, house on our street and one of the smaller houses in the neighborhood. And I'm 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 stoked with that. I'm stoked with that. I often maybe I'm just simple, but I'm like, why would you want a bigger house? It's more shit to clean. It's more, True. you know, space to fill with crap you don't want um i don't want the trap like i don't need to have a nicer car for sure i don't need there's not a lot i need i i want to do things and doing like doing cool stuff sometimes costs money so i'd like to have more money for that but i also do plenty of cool stuff yeah so maybe this whole like uh this whole little rant and whatever maybe you just what you saying i'd rather be poor and happy than rich and sad like we should have just led with that and gone straight to the would you rather i don't know <laughs> i just find the industry we're in uh mystifying mystifying yeah um it actually reminded me so uh, a friend of mine was asking me you know i was i was talking about like you know half of my shit's still in oakland i don't have any place to i don't have space for my flat file or uh, yep. you know, any of the additional st or storage of any of my paintings or bikes or anything here. And she said, well, why don't you get a, you know, get a storage space? And it's like, well, I can't, I can't really afford it. You know, I don't yeah. have, I don't have a couple hundred extra dollars just to pay to, to house shit that I have. I don't know if I'm ever going to have room for. Um, and, uh, and then I had to go to the dentist the other day, uh, to get a, a filling fell out and I, and that was hugely expensive. And she said, you know, she asked me about dental insurance. I'm like, I can barely afford health insurance. You know, like I've not had, I go to the dentist once a year to get my teeth clean, get x-rays, make sure everything's cool. Is that worth the, you know, thousand dollars a year that I'm going to pay for, or $900 a year, I'm going to pay for the cheapest dental insurance. It's it. I don't want to start a whole thing, but why are dental and health insurance separate? Are your teeth not part of your body? Like, are we You're, just like, we, uh, that shit drives just, me fucking crazy too. I said that to the <laughs> woman. She's like, Oh, your insurance isn't covered or we don't cover 
I'm like, oh, well, silly me. Why would I have thought that my mouth was part of my body? And she, it's just nothing, right. like no response. Um, <laughs> you don't your, have eye care. Your what? eyes, separate from your <laughs> yeah. body. Your brain, separate from your body. Your mouth, separate. It's yeah. a fucking sham. Health insurance Are... is a fucking sham. Oh, man. Again, okay, listeners, there. it's just you and me again. Uh, earmuffs, Steve. I guys, I didn't know this was going to happen. I don't. I didn't realize he'd be yelling "fucking sham" over and over again. Oh, it's just it's so it's so frustrating. But I got a brand new filling now, and um, you know I'm happy about that. I'd rather have a, a brand new filling than a giant hole in my mouth. So I think fig- I figured out the working at the bar. I only have to work for two months and save. Uh, tips and paychecks to cover so you know it's cool i got it all worked out plus i i get like cheap hamburgers there so i don't even need to worry about food why do you spend your time throwing drunks out into the street well because i had to have a filling replaced (laughs) obviously that's how it uh, works obviously need to make better life choices i think what, what it all boils down to I wish you went to the dentist and they were like, oh, you have to have this filling replaced. And you were like, well, how can I pay for that? And they'd say, well, there's a building over there about four miles. I want you to go there tonight and throw people out onto the sidewalk. <laughs> and then two, I'll fix your filling. For two months. Yeah. And then and then we got it all locked down. They were asking me, they were giving me options. They said, do you want to get a cleaning and an x-ray or do you want to get the, the uh, filling re- repaired? And I was like, what? 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 Like, why is this even, why is this even a discussion? Like, I need to get a cleaning and x-rays, certainly, but I have a huge hole in my tooth. Like, that's mm. bad. I feel like yeah. that kind of takes precedence. I'm not the dentist, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm not the professional here, but I, I think that repairing the giant crack in my tooth is probably the important, the thing we need to focus on. Did you at any point consider Bondo? No. Okay. I mean, kind of a little bit, because it's basically like, you know, it's like uh, UV and uh, 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 UV, whatchamacallit, it, it activates uh, um, this amalgam mixture. Uh, but I definitely needed to get the hole clean to make sure that there wasn't any uh, bacteria or bacteria or um, uh, decay in there that I was going to pack the Bondo on top of. Yeah, and I also figured it might just make it worse, and it would cost me more down the road if I fi- if I did my own dental work. That is probably smart. Although I had this big piece of wood stuck in my arm one time, and my friend Chapman cut it out with a pair of scissors. Yeah, um, and and that worked out actually because then he poured some alcohol in it and put a little thing over it, and no problems. Yeah, that us- home surgery is usually the way to go. I mean, that's that's usually the way I go. But also yeah. I have had um, cellulitis, which is a bad type of infection, which can potentially lead to death. And, um, you know, that's a little more than I want to gamble with on a, on a regular basis. So fair enough. Leave that shit to the professionals. And plus, you know, vodka's expensive. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <clears throat> Let's get on to, uh, the would you rather? I've got two. I got a, I got one that I was thinking about yesterday too. So we can have we can double up and have two this week if you like because we're only at forty seven minutes and nine right. seconds. Well, let's tear into what you want to do yours first. Yeah, I mean it's easy. Yeah, we'll do mine uh, first. 
Would you okay. rather have no arms or no legs? Bam! Wow. That's like the red first Red Fang record of Would You Rather. It's like, why haven't we done it yet? <laughs> um, would I rather have no arms or no legs? Yeah, and this isn't like, you don't have like stumps. You know, you can't reach around the front and grab your toothbrush. Like, you're just lopped off at the shoulders. Yeah, 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 yeah. And legs, um, I guess you probably, maybe, yeah, no, you just, no, you just got a penis. That's all you got down there. <laughs> That's specific to me, <laughs> right? But people playing along at home would have just whatever they have. Yes. Yes, That's fine. you. When I say you, I mean you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh. I don't think this would... You say this is simple. I, I, when you said it was simple, I thought, oh, I'm just going to answer it and we'll move on. But... I mean, those are two major functionalities. One of them is your mobility. And the other one is, uh, I, I mean, I think I'm going to, God, I think I'm going to go no legs, which is, that's a bitter pill to swallow, no legs. But mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think living with no, I, but then would I be the guy that paints really good pictures with his feet? No, I probably wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I think you would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you let that breathe for a minute before you said, I don't think you would, <laughs> having seen some of my artistic output. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to go. Jeez. I'm going to go no legs. Yeah. What? Same. Same? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I use my arms for so many things. <laughs> uh, yeah and you, you hardly know, use those legs so the, the idea of never giving somebody a, a really aggressive high five again uh that that upsets me yeah uh i gotta brush my teeth you know and i've i've seen pe people um uh i've seen people uh do things with their feet peel bananas and yeah, stuff yeah. uh but i just i don't know i'm too i'm too dependent on my hands for for so many so many things. I'm obviously dependent on my feet as well, but I've seen I've seen people with no legs do um amazing amazing feats on skateboards, and oh, they yeah. kind of you know they carry themselves around. Up, although my left wrist is in such bad shape that I'd be kind of incapacitated. It'd be like constantly having a sprained ankle. You know what I mean? Like my left wrist is just a mess. I constantly so that, have a sprained ankle, so I know what you mean. Yeah, I'd be so glad to would, get rid of it. That would be a that would be a, a bummer. But assuming that, like, you know, uh, my upper body was totally uh, functional and not sprained and not arthritic and stuff, and then I could just like putz around on my hands or get a little uh, furniture dolly and push myself around or whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> I think I'm going to go. Yeah, I'd go. I'd go. I don't even think it's a contest. I'd go. No legs. No legs. All right. So we're both on no legs. So now we move. On. I feel like the net, the other would you rather is now going to be slightly anticlimactic, but let's let's get it out there. OK. Uh, would you rather have to. There's a story to this one. Uh, but I'm going to read it first. Would you rather have to sleep all night, every night in wet socks or have to walk around all day in wet socks and underwear. And the story here, 
um, my older son came up with this and he has a weird thing where he doesn't like the feeling of being barefoot. He wears socks all the time. Uh, which I don't get at all. But so he's he's a little bit like sock and sock uh, sensation fixated. But then so he had proposed this to me. And I was like, OK, OK, OK. But then the other day, uh, my wife walked into we have like a little downstairs half bathroom off of our kitchen. And she walked in there and she was like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't that rare, but um, so she she's yelling and I'm like, what's what is the problem? She's like, who who has got water all over the floor in this bathroom? Uh, and the obvious answer is one of the kids. And, but they both are like, Laura, I don't know. I haven't even been here today. Uh, you know, they have all their alibis. And then so I she's like, John, come look at this. So I, I go in there. Sure enough, there's water all over the floor. It's dripping out, dripping from the uh, back of the uh, toilet at the bottom, at the bottom. So I take the top off and quickly determine that the uh, the washers, the seals on the tank uh, have disintegrated. So no big deal. Three dollars and eighty one cents at the hardware store. I replace the seals on the toilet, tighten it back up, uh, mop up the bathroom floor. Good to go. Right. Yesterday, Brittany walks into the bathroom. Ah, oh, God damn it. <laughs> so you're not you're not the home improvement guru that we, well, we might have thought just a moment ago. In my defense, our washing machine broke and I fixed it. Our dryer broke and I fixed it. The dishwasher uh, was leaking and I fixed that. Um I have a pretty good track record, but the toilet is leaking again. <laughs> <laughs> and she came out of there the second time and she was like, I can't tell you how terrible it is to have wet socks mm. for like two days in a row. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe there's more to, there's more legs to Owen's wet sock thing than I thought. Does he wear flip flops in the shower? No, no, no. So he he does take footwear off to to bathe or swim. That's right, and he doesn't sleep with socks on. I ha- I did ask him that. He's like, no, okay. that's crazy. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's crazy. What, what kind of question is that? Yeah, exactly. Not nonsense, Dad. Yeah, uh, I would. I'll take walk around in wet socks and underwear all day. I mean, I do anyway. <laughs> Uh, sleeping in wet socks sounds like a that's just sounds like a drag. I don't think I'd be able to sleep that good. Yeah, this is a question of whether you would ha- like to have your day disturbed or your night disturbed. And it's it's like it's like you you take your drawers and you put them and you dip them in the sink. Like they're dripping. They're not just damp. They're like wet, right? Yeah, I think wet. they're persistently wet. They're wet like that, or they're just damp like that, like. Like, uh, maybe there's some variation. It's just that they're never dry. Okay. There's probably chafing issues. There, there would be chafing issues, and maybe a little bit of you might have some run into some fungal stuff too somewhere down the way. That could um, be. I would. Uh, I think I would probably switch up my uh, my underwear choice 
from the uh, banana hammocks that I usually wear <laughs> to the micro banana hammocks. So, yes. so nothing, there's no, no fabric at all. It's just me I see. and a, in a tiny little string. You're always gaming the system on these. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, but if I could fly, wouldn't I? I mean, what? <laughs> We're just talking. Okay, you don't get to change the style of undergarment no, you, can change, you wear. You can change to the, the micro banana hammock. Have you seen the one that just goes, it slings over one hip? What? Oh, it's so good. It's uh, I, I found it you know, on the internet a few years ago, and it's just, it's just a... Like it's a package, your package, and then yeah. this one little thing that goes over your hip and a and a thong back, of course. It basically looks like a a rubber band with a slightly wider end. Oh, how does and, it stay up? Uh, maybe the kind of material, or maybe there's like a little silicone band in there or something. I don't know. I think uh, that if hurts you, my brain a little. If you've the, there's a company called International Mail. And I used to <laughs> periodically get catalogs from them, and they're so funny. Like it's it's dudes like super muscly tan guys, uh, who you know with like giant packages, like huge ju- junk, and stuffed in these <laughs> tiny little things, and like flowing robes and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> There's so it's so funny. It's like what I imagine every dude in Miami looks like. Yeah. Uh, and I used to cut them out and I would carry them around with me and I would like randomly tape them or like I put them on people's refrigerators uh-huh. uh, <laughs> or this uh, this warehouse I used to work at. I, I had them taped all over the place and in people's toolboxes and stuff. <laughs> they thought it was such a silly prank. So we we would get the international mail catalog periodically. It hasn't come in years. I don't I mean, maybe I, you know, I didn't substantiate my interest with any purchases. Um but I would say to my wife, I would be because like, I, I mean, I'm only I'm um, I'm only selling my wares in one market. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I would say to Brittany, I'd be like, what is there anything in here that would make me appealing to you? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh. And the, then the other thing is that Brittany is a, a firm believer in the bathrobe. Yeah. Oh, she she bathrobe. employs a bathrobe quite often. And I was yeah. like, oh, I, I should get a bathrobe. And she's like, nope. Why? <laughs> no bathrobe for you. Bathrobes are great. Yeah. Like Apparently, a blanket. A blanket with a sash. I know. I know. Me in a bathrobe, not appealing. Apparently. Huh. Oh, that's that's rough. I don't know. I would like, I would, I mean, why don't you call her up and ask her? <laughs> Bathrooms. Bathrooms are great. I'm, to- yeah. I'm totally into bath. I need to get a new one. I was, uh, I was fucking around in the kitchen yesterday and dropped my sleeve on a hot burner and, uh, <laughs> melted a huge part of my sleeve. It might be time for a new bathrobe for me. Mine's mine is really beat. What is but, your, dis- can you describe it? Is it like a uh, spa style white terry uh, cotton or is it like um, baby blue satin? It's uh, gray and white stripes. It's terry cloth. It's real soft. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Simon Stewart, who is one of the owners of uh, Push and Pull in uh, Buena Vista, Colorado. He used to be a guide for a company called Western Spirit Adventures. I think it's the official title. 
And one year for Interbike, well, he did this for a few years. Um, a bunch of the people from Specialized rode from Morgan Hill, California to Las Vegas. And they hired Western Spirit to do basically like Sherpaing their stuff, you know, carrying the additional clothing and bags and preparing food and stuff. So these people rode, you know, whatever, 100 miles a day for six days. I think it's 666 miles from Morgan Hill to Las Vegas. Mm. Uh, but <clears throat> part of the perk is that they would specialize, would get him a room at the Bellagio. And I was able to get in on like horn in on his extra bed a couple of times. And, um, one morning he and I, this story is totally anticlimactic, but one morning he and I woke up and decided to go to like some uh, bougie little granola spot. Um, in the kind of, you know, a couple floors down and we w wore our robes to breakfast and it just felt so lavish and so extra, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and it, I guess circling back around, it was probably around then that I decided I might be a bathrobe, a bathrobe guy, a bathrobe guy. I feel like the story you just told should have, uh, culminated in a visit to like some sort of Roman orgy. Like we woke <laughs> at the Bellagio yeah. granola in our bathrobes i wish yeah uh like uh steve dr steve bro says orgies are no fun when nobody wants to do it with you <laughs> uh okay well hey i guess that sums that shit up thanks yep. for listening to revolting uh you can subscribe to this uh it's how we tell potential sponsors we're not just two dudes jabbering at one another in closets Help us make the dime to subscribe to the Cycling Independence, $3 a month. You have it. We want it. There's just a couple of clowns, but clowning ain't cheap. Uh, so on behalf of the Cycling Independent and the Revolting Podcast, I'm Steve. And I'm Robot. Don't forget to clown in. Oh,